Simply Scuba presents the Deco Stop Podcast. Hi, all you wonderful people, and welcome to the Deco Stop Podcast. I'm Mark, a former dive instructor. Um, so, first of all, let's look at some new dive equipment. So, we have a new colorway for the Mares Avanti Quattro Plus fins. Uh, very, very popular pair of fins. These, um, it's probably what your instructor was wearing when you did your foundational course. Um, but there's a new colorway. Uh, they're just calling it Aqua. I think, um, and it's effectively a white pair of fins, but instead of the um, the softer material being the traditional black, it's this kind of, uh, they call it aqua, it's this greeny teal kind of colour, um, which is pretty cool, so bright in the water. Um, so yeah, new new colorway for the Avanti Quattro Plus. Uh, there's also the new regulator, their new flagship regulator, the Atlas, uh, which is very reminiscent of my first ever regulator, which is the uh, the Mars Abyss. Uh, all metal second stage, so very strong, uh, but great for cold water as well. Uh, I'll speak about that a, a little bit later. The new EOS torch range. So the EOS range of torches from Mares has always been incredibly popular because they have a relatively unique zoom feature, um, which is basically with the head of the torch, you can rotate and, and turn the head so that it adjusts the beam angle from a tight 12 degree spotlight to a wide 75 degree floodlight. So on the go in the water, you can swap between the two and anything in the middle that you want. Um, there, um, there are four in stock at the moment. Um, there's the uh, the five, the ten, the fifteen, and the thirty-two. There is a twenty on the way, uh, and the number is basically the number of lumens. Uh, so the thirty-two has three thousand two hundred lumens. Uh, the fifteen is just over one thousand five hundred. Um, so different, different power levels depending on uh, how much power you need in the torch basically um, but rechargeable batteries inside of each of them you can recharge them just with a, uh, a standard USB cable that comes with the torch uh, so for like a liveaboard diving uh, yeah you just top it up as you need to you don't have to worry about re um, replacement batteries or something or do I have enough battery charge for this dive you just plug it into the same USB charger as your smartphone or something. So um, yeah, very, very practical dive torches. And we also have the Mars XR Trim BCD. So the trim is, it's a backplate and harness system, but the backplate itself is as stripped down as you can get. It's three mil aluminium, so it's incredibly lightweight, but with trim, each individual component is very customizable, so you can adjust the length of the top side of the shoulder strap, and you can change the um, the length of the bottom side of the shoulder strap, uh, so you can control kind of where that buckle is. The buckle is quick adjust, and the, the waistband, there's two different places where you can actually set that up on your, um, on your waist. You can have it set a little bit higher. Um, and yeah, just very, very customizable, but also incredibly lightweight. I think this weighs, is it under two kilos? It, I think it's around two kilos, uh, which for a, a backplate and harness uh, like BCD is pretty darn good. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, there's the XR Rec 
Ice, uh, which is a heavy, heavy weight. This comes with a 6mm stainless steel backplate. Uh, I may have mentioned it in uh, in last week's podcast, but this weighs over 7 kilos. So this is for diving in cold water, where you're wearing a, either a really thick wetsuit or a dry suit, and instead of having to just add extra lead to your weight belt, you have that trim weight in that six mil stainless steel backplate, um, so it, it just it spreads that like trim weight out, and um, and just means that your your weight belt isn't as crazy. But of course, it isn't ditchable uh, unless you want to ditch your entire BCD. Um, looking at social channel updates, what I've been up to this week. Uh, so Friday's Ask Mark, I was answering questions about dry gloves. Uh, someone was just getting into dry gloves, which I adore. Um, I do still wear wet gloves from time to time, but primarily, un unless I'm handling anything particularly sharp and dangerous, I tend to wear dry gloves just because... They're a lot thinner, so you have more dexterity, and um, and your your hands are dry at the end of the dive. Um, so um, they they were asking basically. I've I've ordered these dry gloves. I've I've tried them on, but they're they're kind of snug on my hand. Uh, how how snug should they be? Because if they're too snug, would they like create a pinch effect? And um, and, and the basic answer is no. They should be they should be quite snug because the the bigger they are, the bigger the airspace inside. So the greater the effect of that squeeze that you're going to get as you descend down. Um, with less air inside of your glove, you're going to have less of that squeezing effect um, but with dry gloves you uh, you always try and um, and break that cuff seal a little bit so that gas can transfer from your the inside of your dry suit up the sleeve into the glove when you lift your hand up upwards um, so that's uh, so that it, it relieves that squeeze um, Someone they they hadn't been diving for fifteen years and they they're thinking about getting back into it. Um, and and they they were looking at doing the enriched air nitrox course and they they basically want to say would that be enough to uh, so like get me back into the water properly? Um, personally, I'd I'd prefer an an actual like in water course because a lot of the time nitrox is a dry course it's all in classrooms it's it's more of a, a theoretical course as opposed to a, a practical course in some of them there is an optional dive which is just to go diving on nitrox um but that's it there's there's no like practical skills in there so it's actually better if you uh, you do like a, a scuba review. Um, I don't think it's called review anymore, is it? They um, it's like recharge or something. Paddy do, um, but something something practical with an instructor just to go over the fundamentals of mask clearing, regulator recovery, all that kind of stuff. Just so that when you do get back into the water properly, you, you've actually done these skills. That muscle memory comes back pretty quickly. Um, and it, it's a pretty quick one. It usually only takes an hour or so um, just to get, get back into it and do all the other uh, practicals. Someone was asking about carbon fiber and aluminium backplates, why you would go for that over steel, because steel is just strong and you have that negative buoyancy. Um, and with an aluminium or a carbon fiber backplate, surely you just 
you just have to add all this extra lead onto your weight belt, which you kind of do, but it's more for traveling divers um, with weight allowances on aeroplanes, uh, trying to get that six mil stainless steel backplate. That's like your entire weight allowance. So yeah, it is not really worth it. Um, so I usually travel with an aluminium backplate and that only weighs, I think it's just under a kilo, the backplate itself, so it is quite easy to travel with. And normally if I'm traveling, I'm going somewhere warm where I'm not wearing a lot of exposure protection, so I don't need a lot of extra trim weight. So it's 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 designed for traveling and diving in, in warmer waters where you don't need um, lots of negative weight to help you get down. Um, someone's asking about pouches. Is there a pouch for like a, a DSMB and a spool so it's not just dangling off of a D-ring? does exist kind of it was um, primarily made for side mount divers who um, is just called a butt pouch because we're really unimaginative with our names it sits just over your butt um, with side mounts you can't really reach thigh pockets or you can you can it's just a little bit awkward because there's usually a cylinder there um, and BCDs don't have those kind of waist pockets uh, when you're on side mount so as far as storage goes, it's it, there's kind of a, an empty area just in the small of your back um, around your butt. So um, yeah, the, the side mount divers just created these pouches, zippered pouch that sits in the small of your back and they use that for a lot of storage. For singles, you can put stuff there, but when you go to sit your, uh, your BCD down, the tank can sit on top of the pouch. So it's a little bit in the way. But you, if you just want a streamlined pouch to uh, to store a bunch of stuff in and you don't have any pockets and you want to clip it off to a D-ring, it, it does exist. A better option is thigh pockets. Uh, just get some tech shorts or something. Um, but yeah, those kind of pouches, they, they do exist, uh, but it's more aimed at um, uh, side mount diving. Uh, someone's asking if BZAC recognized solo diving and self-reliant diver certifications. Um, and I think I've actually read somewhere a uh, like a headline that uh, or a quote that specifically says that BZAC does not. Um, or they, they recognize it because they try and teach all of their divers to be self-reliant. Um, should something happen, you, should, you shouldn't be re relying. You shouldn't have to have your buddy right there with you. Um, you, you should know these principles of self-rescue and all that kind of stuff. Um, but they, they in no way condone going out by yourself completely alone um and going diving it's it's a it's a team sport and it's better if you can dive with um uh, with buddies which i i kind of recommend it's it, it's good for divers to know the principles of self-reliance and start thinking about redundancy and oh, what if this breaks during the dive what what could I do? What else could I bring with me? And how could I uh, sort of rescue myself from this situation without? Because just in case your your buddy wasn't there for whatever reason. Um, but I'd, I'd always rather have a buddy right there with me to uh, to get me out of a jam. Um, and someone was asking about prescription lenses in masks because you basically have five options um, ranging from the little sticky inserts that um, that just stick to the inside of, uh, of your mask to actually having your precise prescription made by one of these opticians and they actually stick it into your, um, your mask. So there's a few different options there for you. 
on Saturday. Um, I was thinking about different things to um, uh, to type into Google and answer the people who also ask questions. And I thought about brands. And because we've had a lot of new Mara stuff, uh, I'm going to mention Mara's quite a lot in this podcast. I'm afraid. Um, I uh, I typed in Mara's just to uh, see what rabbit hole that led me down. And it led me down. Um, are Mara's fins any good? Which yeah, they they are pretty darn good. Uh, the Avanti Quattro Plus has been going for gosh truth decades now and no signs of stopping um i think i said in that that i think they're literally going to have to break the mold before they stop making this fin because it just works um and then it got on to decor because decor and maras have a um uh, a history together uh, basically Mares ended up buying um, Decor or the company that owns Mares bought Decor and then yeah there's a lot of history there um, and next uh, no sorry this is just today on uh, on Sunday the dive brief is on all of this new um, new Mares kit because a bunch of samples arrived um, and uh, and I just kind of show you I do have product videos coming out over the next couple of weeks um, as soon as I can edit them and uh, and upload them for the uh, for the new Mares stuff so you can check that out and on Tuesday I've got top tips for shark diving uh, just some useful tips and tricks and um, yeah basically how to um, sort of go diving safely with sharks. The first news story that caught my eye this week was about a, uh, a Glasgow gran who had been paralysed three times in the past 20 years, is now a qualified scuba diver and exploring the ocean depths uh, as well as deep sea sh uh, shipwrecks all over the world. So this is Margaret Shearer. Um, and um, and back in 2001, uh, she woke up at a friend's house in uh, in Miami, Florida after New Year's Eve or after a New Year's Eve uh, Hogmanay party. And um, she found that she was just paralyzed from head to toe. Um, medics thought that she had some kind of a stroke uh, and they uh, they thought that they had found a, a tumor on her spine, but it actually turned out that her spine was inflamed because of transverse myelitis, which is a neurological disorder um, that can derive from infection and basically causes inflammation of the spine, um, among other serious health issues. And this is what, like, temporarily, luckily, um, uh, paralyzed her. She went through... Um, uh, like sort of retraining and physiotherapy, uh, rehabilitation, learning to walk again. Uh, she resat her driving test. Uh, she's a very, very determined lady. And um, and now, yeah, she's uh, taken to scuba diving. She basically told herself that, you know what, uh, I, I'm going to like push push my limits and uh, and keep going as far as I can. And uh, and yeah, now she's uh, now she's scuba diving. It was just a wonderful. Um, uh, a wonderful story and that kind of that aspiration for a lot of people if they're going through similar things and they feel like all hope is lost and it's like oh no I've, I've got to go through rehab but if they can see that um uh, that this lady can do it maybe it's it's something aspirational that they can do again and um and yeah really um sort of push them to push themselves a little bit harder and have that target in mind that yeah you know what if she can do it maybe I can do it too 26 scuba diving volunteers removed about 45 kilos of marine trash from between the sunken pillars and submerged ruins of the historic site of uh, Caesarea Maritime. 
Timor, um, which is the uh, Israel's Mediterranean coastline. This is all part of the uh, the UN World uh, Oceans Day initiative. So dozens more scuba divers um, just went over the uh, the coastline along Israel's Mediterranean coast and on the uh, the Red Sea reefs. Um, and altogether removed more than 150 kilos of rubbish um, the, from like the usual like plastic bottles and bags, uh, fishing gear, ghost gear, um, aluminium cans, of course, uh, lost towels, um, as well as a, a beach lounger in one case, apparently. Um, so they, they just they, they did their duty just cruising over around dive sites and uh, and the coastline and just removing anything foreign. Um, it was organized by the Israeli Diving Federation, the uh, the IDF, uh, with support from the Environment Protection Ministry and Nature and Parks Authority, uh, which manages the uh, the coastal areas, uh, including this uh, this Roman period port. Um, the, the UN marked that World's Ocean Day on Wednesday, but the uh, the scuba diving volunteers were taken to the water to clear the sites on the Friday and the Saturday, which is Israel's um, like weekends. They don't do Saturday, Sunday, uh, like a lot of other countries. It's actually Friday, Saturday, which is their uh, their weekend to um, uh, so that they could volunteer. And um, the Environment Program says that the equivalent of a rubbish truck full of plastic is dumped into the ocean each minute around the world and hopefully they can um, sort of spend enough time to uh, to remove as much of it as possible this has been a rather exciting week in the freediving world because we've had the CMAS World Indoor Freediving Championships. Uh, lots of new world records have been set. Uh, on the first day, uh, Julia Kozerka uh, set a women's world record on the first day of the CMAS World Indoor Freediving Championship, uh, which is held in, uh, in Belgrade in Serbia. Um, so she swam... 210 meters in the dynamic without fins uh, discipline, um, which is a new world record. Um, on the second day, uh, world records were set in dynamic with bifins, um, so two fins instead of a single fin discipline, uh, with France's uh, Guillaume uh, Badilla swimming 274.7 metres, um, and, uh, and Poland's Mateusz Molina uh, with a distance of 274.06 metres, um, which is about 10 metres better than the previous um, world record. On the third day, um, uh, Colombia's Maria Veronica Cordova Mancheno um, set her third women's continental record during the tournament um, for the static apnea discipline where you're just face down in the water she held her breath for 7 minutes and, uh, and 3.51 seconds to earn the Pan American record um, all of this is uh, is fascinating to watch the, the static apnea I suppose less so because you're basically watching someone face down on the surface but like the the speed swims um free diving to swim as 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 quickly as possible in competition in racing um and uh, and all of these like free diving competitors always uh, sort of fascinating to watch so um there there are highlight reels online i'll uh, i'll do my best to uh, to link them down in the uh, in the description below um so yeah if you're into 
free diving or you want to get into into free diving uh yeah it is always um sort of in, uh, an interesting watch and finally over here in the uk the nhs our, uh, our national health system has uh, or service has ordered a thousand machines that have been created by a scuba diver um from somerset who basically adapted scuba technology to help patients with covid and long covid uh so this is martin stanton uh and he was initially uh, um, trying to find ways of making uh, just air last longer for uh, for scuba dives. And uh, when he learned that hospitals had a shortage of ventilators during the pandemic, he set about designing a more efficient machine for patients, which effectively was a rebreather. So this, um, this rebreather-inspired invention recycles that oxygen um, that the br patient breathes out. And this version is highly portable as well, because like with most rebreathers, it's man-portable. So it kind of made sense to... Um, uh, uh, to market this towards the hospitals um, and people suffering with COVID and um, and yeah the, um, the the NHS has really bought into this idea um, the ventilators were a key piece of equipment right at the heart uh, the height of the pandemic um, by putting air into the patient's, uh, the patient's lung, they provide the body with much needed oxygen for those who couldn't breathe without assistance um, and and Mr. Stanton, he, he runs a diving company and said that his machine safely reuses the oxygen that the patient breathes out, um, which is the wasted oxygen, and that gets circulated around and therefore later increases the efficiency of the uh, the ventilator and of course co2 scrubber um they had the um uh, the same co2 absorbance uh which is also attached to the machine so it is basically a scuba diving rebreather um but now it's more for a a, a clinical use and um and yeah, the, the NHS, they, they, they looked at it all and the machines are cheaper to produce. Um, they cost around uh, just over £3,000 each uh, compared to the um, uh, £12,000 cost of a typical VC70 ventilator. Um, and um, and yeah, the um, the Cheltenham Science Festival awarded one hundred and thirty thousand pounds in development funding for these machines by uh, by Innovate UK and uh, Millfield Medical uh, Electronics. So it, it just it makes sense. We actually saw it at the uh, at the beginning of the pandemic because a few of the um, uh, diving brands, actually quite a lot of the diving brands, um, realised that. A lot of our equipment can be beneficial. We saw manufacturers of full-face snorkel masks. Um, they produced them with special filters because face masks were so hard to get hold of right at the beginning of the uh, the pandemic. They they adapted what they were already producing and kept going with that. Um, I think it was Santi. Santi was um, basically repurposing a lot of their machinery to produce more of these um, face masks um, and. And yeah, a, a lot of the uh, the scuba diving companies they did basically re readdress what they could do for the better good, and um, and this is just another um, uh, another example in that 
someone thinking a bit logically just said oh you know what people are struggling with getting oxygen and um, and needing ventilators uh, i i actually know how to produce this kind of technology we kind of use it already as as scuba divers um why don't we <laughs> why don't we make something and um and it turns out it's a lot cheaper than what's already on the market so um so well done Next, we move on to my product of the week, which this week is that Mara's Atlas ADJ62X regulator. Um, so the Atlas ADJ uh, refers to the second stage. That is a all-metal body second stage. Uh, this is their new sort of flagship regulator. Uh, as I said at the beginning, it's very reminiscent of the Mara's Abyss regulator, which if you remember, that was a fantastic fantastic regulator uh, it was my first regulator loved it to bits and um, with that metal body it's very practical it's not ridiculously heavy it doesn't feel too heavy in your mouth when you're diving it um, but it has a lot of added benefits of one being much stronger than the plastic alternative but also it acts as a giant heat sink so whenever gas goes from a high pressure to a low pressure it gets cold if you think about aerosol cans, if you spray an uh, aerosol deodorant, the can gets cold. The same thing happens in scuba diving regulators because it's going from high pressure to a relatively low pressure. And that happens from the actual hose itself into the second stage. So if we can add a heat sink to actually absorb some heat from the surrounding water, it helps to reduce ice buildup, and the uh, the Atlas has a few tricks up of its sleeve. The first one is a bypass tube. So if you actually look at the design, instead of the hose going straight into the side of the second stage and the gas goes into the side of the second stage, it mingles around and then eventually finds its way up towards the mouthpiece, like most traditional second stage designs. There's actually a, a an actual metal tube that kind of juts out around the side of the second stage and. And points it back towards the mouth so this helps to bypass that's why it's called a bypass tube the uh, the actual valve itself it directs the airflow straight towards your mouth which is where you want it really and it has a few other benefits the first one is it creates a bit of a vortex it turns the gas as it flows through it and that helps to reduce uh, interstage fluttering so when you inhale with the second stage as you pull as you inhale you're pulling in a diaphragm which is in the front of the second stage and then as the gas normally comes into a second stage it pushes that diaphragm forwards because it's increasing the pressure inside but you're still inhaling so it's this constant push and pull and you can get that kind of fluttering effect when you breathe from some second stages but this vortex twist helps to reduce that um, uh, that drop so you get a smoother breathe when you're inhaling. Um, it's, it's also warming up the gas, which is quite nice. Um, the ADJ of Atlas ADG, uh, ADJ, there's a lot of three-letter acronyms on this. Uh, I do my best to, uh, to explain them in the, uh, in the product video, and I'll do my best here. But yeah, the, there's a lot of TLA, three-letter acronyms um, in, this, um, in this regulator. So ADJ is adjustable basically um i don't think 
that classifies it as an acronym but it's it's got an adjustment knob on the side so you can adjust how easy it is to um, uh, to open up that valve when you inhale uh, you either have to inhale a little bit harder to open it when it's screwed in or if you dial it all the way out it's a lot lighter so this is great for divers if that second stage comes out of your mouth if you're swapping stage cylinders in the water, um, it's better to increase that resistance so that second stage is less likely to free flow when it's out of your mouth. Um, and it also has a hinged purge button. We're seeing this on more and more of the, uh, the Mara's range. They, they introduced this Struth a few years ago now. Um, I think it was the Fusion was probably the first. And, um, and that, it, it doesn't seem like much, but it's actually a really nice feature to allow your purge button to hinge on one side instead of just having one big button and you just kind of push it and and it goes from zero to 100 really quickly. Um, with a hinge, you, you get a bit more tactile feel of how much you're pushing that button. So if you don't want to just blast it uh, you just want a little bit of gas to push um, some water out of the bottom you can push it a little bit and it's it's nice and big so if you're wearing clunky gloves you uh, you still have plenty of control the um the first stage the 62x is diddy it's a tiny little thing but it's still cold water rated uh, it's got an environmental sealing system uh, that's the t tbp or something um I'm still not entirely sure what TBP stands for, um, but it's effectively a, um, a cold water environmental seal. So this um, like flexible plastic seal at the top of the first stage helps to allow for the balancing so that the, uh, the performance of the regulator doesn't change as you descend, but it helps to prevent contaminants uh, from getting into some of the moving parts and, uh, and helps to prevent ice from forming. The um, the second stage, uh, sorry, the first stage itself, the sixty two, yeah, it's remarkably small. When you see pictures of it, you don't really get that sense of scale. But when it's actually in your hand, it is remarkably small for um, uh, for a cold water regulator. Um, another TLA for you, it's got AST, which is auto sealing technology. So on the inlet to the first stage, you actually have a spring loaded section. And we're seeing this on quite a lot of new regulators because uh, it is quite clever. It's a, it's a spring loaded plug that effectively plugs the, um, uh, the inlet to the first stage when it's depressured. Um, so as soon as you um, purge that regulator to take it off of the cylinder after a dive it closes that um, that first stage inlet so that contaminants can't get in it protects uh, it keeps the uh, like water moisture from getting inside of it as well as dust and other bits and bobs uh, so it's this like automatic safety feature on the inside and it just helps to um just elongate the uh, the overall lifetime of your uh, of your regulator um all, all sorts of clever stuff uh dfc dynamic flow control um port for your um uh, for your second stage so it increases airflow uh j yeah just so many tlas on this um uh uh, on this regulator uh, PAD pneumatically assisted design um, so the second stage valve is designed and manufactured uh, for pneumatic operation which minimizes the spring load and consequently inhalation effort uh, yeah but 
lovely regulator, great for travel because it's not ridiculously uh, heavy. Uh, let's see if I can find total weight in DIN is just over one kilo, which for a set of regulators is pretty good, especially if you've got an all metal body second stage. Um, but for diving at home as well, yeah, this this is definitely at the um, sort of the topper echelon of regulators as far as performance and technology on the inside. And finally, we move on to this week's question, which is what are the funny experiences that you've ever had at a dive center? Um, so over my years working at a dive center, a few come to mind. The first one uh, that came to mind was a, um, a few dive computer manufacturers, some older ones. They would, um, before we had, this is why when you're looking at dive computer um like descriptions, you'll see user changeable battery. And a lot of new divers don't really see that as like, well, yeah, okay, yeah, that's useful. Uh, why, why are you making such a big deal out of it? But a lot of dive computers weren't. You would actually have the battery almost glued into the, um, into the dive computer because actual water sealing was so awkward uh, the way that they got around it to try and get these electronic devices under the water is they basically assembled the computer, they put the battery in, and then just put a whole bunch of like resin around it and flooded the entire computer with this resin. And you literally had to cut it all out uh, to be able to change the battery. And the, the way that they... Um, uh, they, they set up the dive computer to tell you that your computer battery was running low is they would make your dive computer tick. So that was this like auditory um, sort of alert to the diver that, hey, you know what? The battery's running a bit low. You should probably return it to um, uh, to your dive center to get the, uh, the battery changed. And because it was such a palaver to, uh, to change the battery, most of the time, you just send it back to the manufacturer. The manufacturer would um, would redo it. They had all the um, uh, all the materials and all the um, like tools and stuff to do it properly. So we had these uh, these computers. They were kind of rare. It used to be were, were they Aladdins? I think it was Aladdin computers. And um, and yeah, someone brought in a, a pair. It was like his and hers, and they were like, oh, these need a battery change. So yep, we uh, we booked them in. And um, and package them up and whatnot. And um, the, um, the the FedEx guy came to uh, to collect the parcel that we were shipping off to the uh, to the manufacturer. And um, yeah, there's literally this ticking parcel. And he's like, "Are you kidding?" And we're like, "They're dive computers. It's not a bomb." Um, and they they're like, "I think we actually have a." Um, uh, what you call it, a, a procedure, and like we don't accept ticking parcels because they could be bombs. And we're like, yeah, there there is electronics on the inside. Yes, it is ticking. Uh, and there were two of them, so it's uh, it's like it, it. I promise you, I don't know how else to promise you that it it's not a bomb. <laughs> and um, yeah, eventually he did take it. And um, but this was a reoccurring thing. Um, I, I think very few divers dive them nowadays. I think with new updated algorithms and new dive computers, um, the the price of dive computers has dropped a lot. Um, so 
investing in a new dive computer isn't prohibitive so i think people nowadays have just ditched those uh, those old computers but it it seems so innocent to um, to start with and was like oh well, how are we going to get our um uh, tell divers that the batteries are running low we we don't have that functionality on the screen itself um and like oh well we can make the dive computer tick oh that'll do perfect and they they just never considered about shipping a ticking parcel um another one is um uh we we had this great technician who um who service regulators and um and bcds and, uh, and dive cylinders and whatnot and um he he had a a dfa tool which was um does f all and um when whenever someone came in and their the their regulators have been serviced and um and it was it was kind of that like flex of all oh, Oh, I, I think they're um, they're they're set up a little bit um, uh, a little bit too stiff. I like mine sort of set to um, uh, to one and a quarter inch. Um, so it's and that's basically how deep. If you insert regulators, it, it opens the uh, the valve, the the second stage, and um, and yeah, he he would have this. The customer would like talk to uh, talk to him and go, "Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that's that's a, an easy um, sort of adjustment." Um, he'd like take them behind the scenes and kind of like make make some noise and then put them back on a cylinder and they're like, "Oh, yeah, perfect." But he's like, "I I didn't do anything. Um, it, it's just that kind of pandering. They're they're set up perfectly fine. Um, obviously, if they were." light and they were like creeping or something then yeah you adjust them but in a lot of the cases i mean we, we have people coming in and um they're talking about the uh, the venturi switch on the second stage oh i like it um like two clicks forwards um which a lot of oceanic regulators they put this ratchet click system on it and a venturi switch is either on or it's off it makes no difference um sort of two clicks forwards um so uh, yeah these people coming in saying oh yeah i like it two clicks um sort of from the front uh you're like yeah that that doesn't mean anything it's, it's either on or off um when when you're in the water you you actually want it off unless it's like an octo or out of your mouth um so all, all those kind of things people sort of they they know just enough what is it the um hunting kruger effect or something they just they know just enough to think that they know what they're talking about um but they actually don't um so um yeah that that was always funny when uh, when they kind of came into the store um the other one that springs to mind is we had this um we had a work experience kid and he was he was amazing you you didn't have to ask him to do something he would just out of his own initiative he he saw that the uh, the fin cupboard was a bit untidy so he just organized them himself um so you're like ah oh, cool nice one and um and he he just hung around um he just enjoyed being around the dive center so so he kept hanging around and we kept taking him to um uh, like sort of open water to to help out with so uh, surface support and all that kind of stuff and um and he was great but he could be annoying at times and um and we had an on-site pool at um at the dive center and it must have been a club night or something and and the kid was just just being just being a kid i guess but just you know just being annoying and you're like kid if if you don't if you don't leave i'm gonna throw you in the pool and um 
and he was he was kind of good after that but then he um he, he pushed his luck and um so you're like you know what no i'm i'm gonna pick you up and i'm gonna throw you in the pool <laughs> and um so i picked him up and we we went over to um uh, went over to the giant stride entry and I'm like I'm gonna throw you in and he's like no you're not and I was like mm, and I kind of motioned towards it and I wasn't I honestly wasn't going to it it was an empty threat but he, he kind of called my bluff but he grabbed hold of my belt and like just in the way we shifted our gravity we both ended up in the water um everything was fine because you at a dive center, you don't tend to have your phone on you, uh, especially if you're working in and around a pool. And on club night especially, I had one diver. Um, you, you check in on them, like, frequently. They're all um, qualified divers, but they're, like, practicing skills and stuff. And I go into the pool room, and there's one diver alone on the bottom, like, face down. And I'm like, I'm going to have to get in. And um, and then he exhales, and you're like, oh, struth. And then he starts swimming. And um, I don't know what he was doing, like checking the grout or something, but face down on the bottom of a swimming pool, not exhaling or moving at all. Yeah, that's that's a bit of a red flag for um, for a dive center. Um, so you're, you're kind of always prepared to jump in just in case you have to, because all of the uh, like tools and uh, like shepherd's crooks and stuff that we had, um, nah, it is, that would have been uh, sort of too tricky to, um, uh, to get him. But... Um, yeah, you, you do make sure that you, you leave all your electronics somewhere safe just in case you ever do have to jump into the water. And the final one that, that's always funny is um, we had a Haskell pump to, um, uh, to pump up to higher pressures. So we had, we actually had three compressors um, at, uh, at one point. We had a, a big old fashioned um, sort of compressor that was charge up the uh, the banks were which were big old i think there were four j cylinders and um and then we had oxygen as well but the um the main compressor would charge up those banks and that's what we would um, sort of fill up customer cylinders with and um but they only went up to about 200 i think those were like 250 bar maybe and um to get it up to 300 bar we used a haskell pump which basically just punched the air into the cylinders um, and it would just sort of punch a little bit more and a little bit more um, consecutively and it, it was quite noisy so the the problem was with how the dive center was set up the the main entrance was basically past the uh, the compressor in the filling station and um, so you'd have these people coming through and uh, and you kind of welcome them. You know, oh hi, this that and the other, and um, they they'd see all of this like compressed air cylinders and things. And especially if they're new, because um, a lot of new divers, of course, coming through, they they don't know. Um, and a lot of experienced divers don't know what a Haskell pump is. And um, some of them were just like snorkelers. We're going on a snorkeling holiday. We just wanted to buy some masks and fins and things. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 come on in. And um, and yeah, they, they'd walk through, they'd see all these cylinders, and then they'd just hear this whoopah of a um, of, of the Haskell pump. They'd jump out of their skins. Um, if it was running and you, you sort of got to them early enough, you're like, there's going to be a loud noise or there could be a loud noise. Don't worry, it's normal. Um, but sometimes it would just happen out of the blue. 
and yeah, you just see them jump out of their skins. Um, because why why wouldn't you? You see all this like compressed air cylinders and whips and things and uh, and technology that you don't understand and you hear this bang. Um, good lord, you'd um, you'd jump a mile. But um there was there was no alternative, unfortunately. That was just the way that the, the dive center was set up. It was um like set up there that way since like I don't know the 80s or 90s um and there, there was no way of changing it but yeah this thing was loud and um and and because it wasn't like a constant thing and the the higher the pressure the slower it would get to kind of charge and get itself ready um and yeah you could go a good 30 seconds to a minute between bangs so they they'd like come in and then you're chatting in the dive center which was it was a door away but you could still hear it and um yeah you you'd hear this bang and they'd of course flinch and you're like sorry <laughs> everything's fine um nothing's gone wrong um but yeah that that was always um sort of not not entertaining but it, it was always um sort of funny that and um if uh an o-ring blew because we used to fill in water, we had these dunk tanks by uh, by each of the um, uh, the filling stations for cylinders, and um, you would they were quite useful to see if an O ring was about to slip, and sometimes you'd get a fair amount of time to see that stream of bubbles, identify it, and then you could get in and shut all the valves. Others you just didn't have enough time and. Uh, a rapid expansion of gas you would just get soaked um because this spray of water would just go right up into your face and you're oh great this this is like my afternoon just drip drying um another good reason of um working at a dive center is you, you often have a change of clothes with you um because you did end up getting wet from time to time but yeah that that was always quite funny mainly when it happened to someone else but yeah it's you have to laugh at yourself when it happens to you. And that's it for the podcast this week. Um, I've, I've bored you enough with my uh, dive center stories. Um, don't forget to uh, to follow and subscribe wherever you're listening, um, depending on what they call it. Rate us uh, if you can, uh, sort of thumbs up or star rating, whatever it is on whatever platform you're listening, and uh, and comment where you can. Um, I mean, what's the the funniest thing that's ever happened to you at a dive center? Um, let us know down in the in the comments below or to the side, depending on where the comments are. Um, remember to head over to simplyscuba.com uh, I'm going to pop links to uh, to everything that I've spoken about today down in the description uh, as well as sources for those uh, news stories and uh, and links to those videos of the, uh, the CMAS um, uh, indoor free diving championship and um, yeah if you have any questions uh, comments or queries anything that you uh, you want me to uh, discuss on the Friday Ask Mark show if you add the hashtag uh, Ask Mark either at the beginning or the end it doesn't really matter um, anywhere in your comments and, and I will find it. Thank you for listening as always, everybody. And of course, safe diving. <laughs>